Hello everyone and welcome to Never Say Podcast Again. I'm Jackson, I'm joined by Deer as usual. Hi. Hello. It's been a while. We only meant to take the one week off, but we took three. Um, Look. One was one was deliberate. Then I was sick. Uh, then Adir was busy. We each took turns not being available. Um, but we're here now um, to talk about the movie Thunderball, which is the 1965 James Bond movie uh, directed by Terence Young, who you will recognise as the director of the first two movies. Um, screenplay by uh, Richard Mayburn, John Hopkins, and Jack Whittingham, um, based on the book Thunderball. This is like at the center of a lot of weird legal stuff because it was originally like made as a screenplay that then became a book uh which is how there's a remake of this in the 80s starring sean connery we'll get to that later today we're just really going to talk about the movie the movie begins with the funeral of jacques bovard a specter agent who killed multiple mi6 agents however bond notices the bovard is of course alive and <laughs> disguised as his own widow and he follows him home waits in his massacre he's got an estate he's got a french estate he waits there uh and um bivar comes home and they have a fist fight and bond bond wins the guards pursue him but he escapes with the classic jetpack which he had stored right of the frame uh on the roof and then drives away uh in the aston martin shooting massive jets of water at the guards pursuing him meanwhile in paris specter number two emilio largo has a plan they're going to steal two atomic bombs and sell them back to NATO for 100 million pounds. And it just so happens that this secret plot starts at Shrubland Sanatorium, which is where James Bond is staying right now uh, to recover from his prior mission. Uh, Bond notices a suspicious tattoo on another patient, Count Lippe, and he searches his room, but he's spotted by Angelo, uh, a man with his face covered in bandages. Uh, later, while quote-unquote seducing his physio lady, which we will talk about later in the movie, he is left alone on the spiral traction machine, and an off-screen assailant just turns it up to full speed, and he is just going back and forth, almost killing Bond in uh, what is definitely the funniest segment of the movie. Uh, the reason that the man has bandages, of course, is that he has had plastic surgery, and now looks exactly like a man named Francois Derval, uh, who is the pilot scheduled to fly in a training mission today, with two atomic bombs. Angelo kills Devil, takes his place, and shakes down Fiona Volpe, his Spectre, like, contact for a higher fee now that it's go time and they can't do it without him. And instead of the test flight going as it should, uh, he hijacks it and delivers the nukes to Largo's ship waiting in the Bahamas, the Disco Volante. Uh, his part done, he is immediately murdered, uh, so he probably should not have asked for that raise. Bond finds the original Devil's corpse in the clinic, uh, and is summoned back to London. MI6 holds a grand conference with all the 00 agents, informing them of the situation, and Bond realises that this man that he's just seen on the screen, who was flying this plane, was dead in France uh, the night before. So he says, I need to go to Nassau, and I need to go see Derville's sister. So he lands in Nassau, immediately meets Domino, uh, who is his sister, Domino Derville, uh, and learns that she is Largo's mistress, he plays Largo at poker, and they do the classic Bond thing of fighting through concealed barbs, pretending that they don't obviously know who each other is. Uh, Bond gets his gadgets from Q, teams up with another newly recast Felix, unless someone has changed their look dramatically, uh, and he goes uh, to recon his boat, uh, the Disco Volante. But he doesn't really find much. There's a quick underwater action scene. So then he tries to go to his estate, uh, but... He escapes, but his his partner from the CIA, uh, not Felix, a lady called Paula, is captured and valiantly commits suicide with a cyanide pill, as all women should do for James Bond, apparently. 
He runs into Fiona Volpe. They also trade barbs while pretending they don't know who each other are. Uh, and Volpe eventually actually captures Bond, but Bond like kicks out uh, in this cool scene and escapes into a crowded parade. Uh, later, they find each other in a bar and they dance, trying to get the one up of each other while pretending to just be a normal couple dancing. Volpe's trying to get him into position for a rifle shot, but Bond realizes this is what's happening and turns around at the last second, and the bullet hits Volpe instead, and she is dealt with. Uh, Bond infiltrates again and learns that the Largo is going to destroy Miami Beach. Remember, we're from the last movie. Miami Beach, again! Felix shows up in the nick of time, though, as Largo discovers him, bringing uh, just an entire helicopter full of Navy men to have a very, very slow underwater battle, which they do eventually win, securing the nukes. But Largo escapes on his boat, uh, performing what can only be described as a saucer separation, and the front half of the boat just, just goes, leaving Bond and a few other characters standing around uh, to finish up the movie. Bond fights Largo in the cockpit, but is stopped, interrupted, and saved by a domino who reveals herself and shoots him with a harpoon gun the day is saved they kill largo <laughs> he goes onto the uh just explodes on the boat and they are rescued by the cia aircraft because the cia always show up to rescue bond as he's hanging out with his girl in this movie and that's the film that is thunderball it goes on forever it's so long it really is a long... It's like it's only 130 minutes, but it felt so endless. It never stops. And, like, partially it's because of all the underwater scenes, which are, like, straight-up terrible action scenes. <laughs> they, they really are. Um, I, I don't... <sighs> I feel like we we know how to film underwater action scenes, and by this time in cinema history, we we know how to film underwater action scenes. But I guess maybe we didn't, and I'm I because I guess not. They're just slow moving, and just they're just ponderous. They're ponderous, and because they actually filmed everyone underwater, everyone's in masks, so you can't really tell who people are. No, and it's really funny because um. Like there's what was one scene at first where I'm like I couldn't tell who Bond was fighting. <laughs> yes. And I was just like it's it's the scene where he goes to um uh God. Um it's it's the scene where he fights the one dude on one on one and Bond is wearing his bright red uh his like bright rust red colored swimsuit. Mm -hmm. Short swimsuit. And um there's like this like figure in the black scuba gear and I'm just like, who is that? And I'm like, well, it's, it's kind of a, it's a more kind of feminine sil silhouette. That's not dumb. Who, who, who is it? And then I was like, oh, it's just some random dude. Okay. It's sure. Just some random guy. Um, and like, so the movie, the start of the movie is actually, I think pretty good. I think when you compare it to, um, Goldfinger, the movie is uh, on the whole better. Like Terence Young can direct and edit a scene in a way that Goldfinger was not really able to do. So um, I actually liked the fight with Bouvar at the beginning. Yes, I thought that was, um, you know, um, I thought it was kind of well done. Like the 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 Bond flinging the chair across the room, <laughs> and it just it just skating with such force. I also like that fight, not because it was necessarily like amazing, but I think when you look at like the way in which it uses like ramping uh, and the build to like the fire, like there's gimmicks in the fight, the build. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the moments where it speeds up and speeds down are actually like effectively used. Whereas you compare it to the Objob fight, and he's just fucking throwing the hat around like, ugh, ugh. Uh, right. I there, think it's it, much better. It feels much more choreographed. Yes. Um, in um, and it's 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 clever. I felt it was clever, and it was funny watching the actor who plays Bufar popping around in his widow's dress. Yes, um, and it's it's a decent opening to the movie. The only yeah, the only really funny part is the part where, it, like, he walks out. He's being chased by these guards, and the camera just pans right, and there's a jetpack there. <laughs> what I love before that is that. So Bond, he he has his his point of egress planned out. It would seem, um, but he like takes the time to take the flowers out of the vase. And at first, I was like, 
what, is he going to steal these flowers to go give to random Bond girl at the beginning? And it's like, no, he throws them on Bufar's corpse. <laughs> yep. And and if he had not stopped to linger on that moment, he would have just gotten away. It's... There really was no need for the whole jetpack <laughs> and then flying to the Aston Martin and then putting up the bulletproof shield. <laughs> yeah. So, Jackson, there is no car in that car. That car is made of two things, a giant lead <laughs> plate and hundreds of gallons of water. It's so silly. It's so silly. Uh I yeah, just two two movies ago, it was kind of sedate, right? Just doing some spy stuff. I had a briefcase. <laughs> Uh, and now, with less than ten minutes into the movie, he's flown a jetpack and his car's got super bulletproof plates everywhere. And I like that he takes the time to pack away the jetpack. You have to, you have to be courteous in these situations. Well, you know, Q's gonna want that pack. I, I really want, I want to see the like, you know, the James Bond expense bill at the end of every mission. Yeah. Just Q just sending him, like, you know, an invoice. This is what you owe the crown, Bond. <laughs> Try not to break it next time, will you? <laughs> but I, uh, I, I, I think that was a very entertaining way to open the film. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, I kind of felt it was better. Like, that was... That opening sequence, I was just like, what if we just followed this? What if we didn't detach this the opening the introductory sequence from the rest of the film right <laughs> what um, if- i like i like the tone of the opening also because like in um in the in goldfinger he just kind of blows some things up and then walks away and punches that woman with and puts the fan in the um uh fan in the bath uh and that's kind of it uh here you get like a really c- cool like sequence of uh him and this french agent watching the funeral as he's kind of just like looking around being like, haha, I know what's going on. I'm James Bond. <laughs> um, and it just, there's like actual time for like building up of tension um, in a way that the action of Goldfinger just like happened. And you're like, well, I guess that was some action that happened here to us. I, I like the weird inclusion of, okay, so he's, you know, he's at the funeral of Jacques Bouvard and the the funeral, the the, the casket just has the initials JB draped over it. And the, uh, the, the French woman's just like, that is your name down there, but you are not dead. You are not in there. And it's just like, this is such a bizarre line. And it's like, is this some kind of weird, like meditation on the riskiness of James profession? The fact that he's like kind of dead himself inside. Like what, what are we doing with this? And it's just kind of like, no, it's just a line. Someone thought would be said in this moment. Yep. Uh, I want the movie that's just a bond hanging out with this existential French spy. And he's too dumb to understand any of the, like any of it. Uh, but we'll just like nod along and be like, "Oh yes, very smart." Would you mm-hmm. like to have sex now? <laughs> I do love Spectre's headquarters. They're very cool. It's it's very cool. Um, and I, I I like um, I like the setup with number one um, and the embezzlement. Hmm. And I oh God, what are they? Um, I can't remember their numbers, but there's the two who are responsible for uh, the the red China heroin, and the one guy's I like, "Well, look, we're four. getting our ass handed to us by Central America, and this is just what we have now." And number one's like, "No, you <laughs> you are embezzling. I know you can do better than this, and I don't I don't like betrayal at Spectre." And you see the other guy. You know, the one who's not being spoken to. And yes. he's kind of got this grin on his face. Like, yeah, this, this motherfucker's going to get it. He's going to take the fall. And then, boom, number one's like, we all show you how we deal with betrayal at Spectre. And then, does this chair just explode? What? I can't. Yep. And it's, just, and it's, and it's the guy who's got the shit-eating grin on his face. And it's just like, yeah. 
it's it's a perfect like uh, horror movie is the wrong word necessarily but it's definitely that kind of like gag right of the the shitting this this shitting guy who you only know from two seconds gets owned uh and everyone gets to cheer because it's very good mm-hmm. and yeah, you're right that like number one is just constantly going yes here at spectre we demand results <laughs> Who has any more plans today? <laughs> and I really wanted to be like, oh, it took 0.4 seconds from the time I hit the button into the explosion. <laughs> when are we going to? We need to improve upon that. Because I, I, I just... still can't get over the uh, the poison. It worked too slowly. We need to improve. He's from, he's a gamer. With love. <laughs> he's a gamer. He's always he, he's like looking at all the TVs, demanding to know their latency. <laughs> It's like game mode is not enough. We must go faster. We need to save the frames. I still don't understand the TV latency thing. It's been explained to me so many times. I'm just, I guess I'm just not cut out for Spectre. I guess so. Um, I guess uh, the the plan that Largo presents at this meeting is pretty good. I think as a plan, as like an evil plan to have, like. The plan to steal these nukes is interesting. Um, the mystery that it presents is interesting. I don't think it necessarily builds into a great mystery uh, as the story progresses, but as a hook, it is much better than the... <laughs> this guy's taking gold somehow. Do you want to go look into that for a bit, uh, Bond? Um, yeah, no, um let's hijack two nuclear bombs and hold NATO hostage. Like it's very straightforward and efficient, but I think at the same time, and like, you know, it's like, well, first you got to steal the nuclear bombs, which is cool. Um, And that was kind of a cool sequence with the crashing the plane into the ocean. (laughs) Yes. And then, and then the specter sub shows up to retrieve the nukes. Like was not expecting that. Um, and then just kind of like, yeah, you know, hold NATO hostage. That's kind of cool. It's a good plan, and it also sets up a Bond's like role in the investigation well. Um, unfortunately, when he gets to the Bahamas, he just kind of walks into. He's like, oh, there's the guy. <laughs> it's the guy with the eye patch. <laughs> we found him. Yeah. We need to talk about the spinal traction machine before we need to back up. And, and, yeah. Oh, so, okay. We'll go through in, in bits. So yeah. So the entire so one of the reasons this movie is long is that um, when they steal the nukes, when the plot kind of kicks into place, uh, which would normally be at the fifteen minute mark of any other movie, but it's about forty five minutes at least in uh, yeah. when they all gather in the throne room of the Naboo Palace. Uh, and talk to all the double agents because that's all I could think when all those chairs were in the circle with all the double agents I was like ah communications blackout can mean only one thing invasion <laughs> and I think about that because remember you know we think back to like you know uh, from Russia with Love and, and Dr. No MI6 was much more sedate we you know it was very pedestrian we had the the room with all the kind of you know code breaker communication guys just in just an office and then, you know, M's office was just your standard British masculine wood-toned office. Yes. Um, and then suddenly we are in the, the fucking Naboo Palace. <laughs> it's such a ridiculous conference room. Especially because he does go to M's office and then M's like, you're late, get to the conference room. And the conference room's just, just huge, just massive. Uh, which is, I can confirm, it is what a lot of old British buildings are like. Um Yes. I did well, like they had a to drama film that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I did like a drama course uh, in like some brides on Fleet Street. Um, I went there occasionally as a teenager. Uh, it was like a place, just, just the thing that I did a lot. Uh, usually in the basement, just a wasteland. Uh, you went in via the back alley. It was hell. Um, but then sometimes you go in via the front, and there's just this massive courtroom. Uh, with just huge portraits on the walls, like it's just it's just huge, uh, and that's what I was thinking of with this. Like, oh yeah, right, old British buildings—they really are, they are like this. Our country like, is on one. I did like this the sliding uh, painting wall panel. <laughs> yes, because they do. It's not on the level of Goldfinger's ridiculous room, but it does give the same energy. 
It's just like you wouldn't just bring in just like a projector screen, like yeah. No, they've, they've got that. No, we've got a fucking wall. Crap. But yeah, so when Bond is basically at a like spa retreat to recover from his wounds uh, after his mission, uh, the first twenty minutes of the movie, there's like light bits of mystery with the guy. Uh, you know, he's got bandage on his face. Who could that be? It's Storm um, Shadow. <laughs> He gets um, stuck by Storm Shadow in his pajamas through the health spa, Jackson. Like, <laughs> he does. But it's a lot of him just, like, flirting with the physio lady and walking around the spa, uh, which culminates, or culminates, there's a lot after it, but, like, which, the pinnacle of which is the plot intruding on one of these scenes. It's a very extended scene where he's trying to flirt with her, she's resistant, but obviously will be won over because James Bond, um... And then just like, it's like, no, you will get in the spinal machine and you will take your treatment and I will walk away. Um, and he does. And the spinal machine, the spinal massager, like begins doing its work, moving back and forth. And then uh, the man walks in and he flicks a switch <laughs> and the spinal machine is just going full speed. And the way this is communicated is just Bond just kind of shaking on this table <laughs> And we also get we get we get intercut with POV sequences of yes. the camera lunging towards the kind of control panel on the opposite wall. It's it's and it's it's so so undercranked. It's hilarious. It's just like it's so funny. A Buster Keaton movie for like it five seconds. It really is. <laughs> it's long than that. It's like thirty full seconds. Yeah, God, it is. It is long. You're right. But it's it's so this is bizarre to me because why does the machine have a setting that high? No, no. Especially, she's like, oh, she comes back at the end. She's like, oh, if I was any longer, you'd have been killed, Mister Bond. You must be a very strong man with your back. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it was so bizarre and unnecessary. Like, I feel like I feel like Bond movies are allowed a certain amount of unnecessary sequences, and we really, we really blew through that budget. In the introductory sequence with the jetpack and the car full of pressurized water. Yep. But like this is just, just the the, the fucking spinal traction machine. You know that's what made Kevin Sorbo a batch Republican. <laughs> it's true. And then like so, Bond's just had this assassination attempt. Um, someone's tried to kill him, and his response to this is to lie to the physio lady uh tell her oh you must have pressed the wrong setting um as she's like oh i'm so sorry i nearly killed you and this is what like pushes her from <laughs> from being resistant to bond flirting to just now we're fucking now um she's like oh, i'll just i'll pretend she killed nearly killed me and then we can then i can get laid well he um, straight up pickup artist negs her into the yep. sauna sure does it's astounding uh, which is like it's not as bad as, as the um, stuff in uh, Goldfinger, which is just an actual yeah. rape scene. But it's definitely in like, yep, here we go again, James Bond. Be like, this is why this is the thing for Bond. And someone decided that as she presses her butt against the glass of the sauna room, we should do a white fade. <laughs> it's, it's it's an arty movie. This is Thunderball. It's experimental. Uh, it's like, like oh, we're gonna we're gonna do a wipe. Okay. I did. I appreciate. I like a good wipe. Um, I don't do enough of them these days. Uh, but I guess we, so we talked about the stuff in the um, health spa and the stuff in the, uh, the MI6 conference room. So he goes to Nassau and goes on this mission um, and basically immediately walks into Largo. Just like seconds after getting there, like so, this mystery is all set up. You're like, oh, he's got this bit of information. Uh, how's he going to put this together? Because Bond films are like essentially detective stories, usually, right? Like, there's a mystery, and he's got to figure out what's going on. Um, he's just a stupid policeman, uh, as Dodtino said. But <laughs> almost every time, the way these detective stories are sold is he just walks into the person who's obviously evil and hangs around them until uh he stops them and sometimes in um like in goldfinger goldfinger just just tells him he's evil 
and then lets him stay around for the rest of the movie. This is a little more believable with the back and forth with Largo and Bond, but it's still that. Yeah. Um, so the funny thing that I didn't realize is that, you know, um, so, you know, number two makes an appearance in Austin Powers and it becomes a whole number two joke. And I just figured I was like, okay, yes, there must be a number one. And like, uh, certainly, you know, at, at, this is just Austin Powers playing off that. And I didn't realize that, no, we actually just have a number two and he's got an eye patch and he's a weird, old, like, you creepy villain man. Sure is. And I, I just, I, that was just, I was just kind of like, oh. Which just further reinforces that we never needed the Austin Powers movies one bit. <laughs> no, the jokes are already there. I mean, what you can't get funnier than the spinal traction scene. <laughs> no. You Th- can't. There's nowhere to go after that. You no. can't, like, make a parody of that. What are you meant to do? <laughs> but, um... I, I like Largo as a villain. I think he's decent. Um, he comes across as, like, uh, fairly pragmatic and not... Like, Goldfinger is basically just very petulant. Like, oh, I love to win. I'm going to kill everyone. And then I'm going to... Like, I'm going to get all of the mobsters and then get them to make my plan and then kill them all in my evil secret room. Ha-ha. Uh, Largo's a little bit more restrained, despite the fact that he has sharks and uh, an eye patch. And a boat called the Disco Volante. That's restrained in the James Bond universe, but he it definitely really... like. Oh, you, you can you go. Oh, I can see, but he, it definitely is. He he is much more um, restrained compared to, you know. I think Doctor No might be the only, like, the least, <laughs> slightly more restrained than him in some regards, but. But specifically for me, it's in like his plan is just like a fairly well executed plan um he's gonna steal these nukes uh and then like so the the guy who um is disguised as the pilot is like well i'm the pilot you need these nukes so you've got to pay me even more now i like i've got all the leverage and he just like instantly murders him and takes nukes like you do not have the leverage you we i would have kept my deal but you can fuck off um and stuff like that was pretty good to me. Like it's like, oh, this is a decent, believable villain, uh, and believable in like the framework of the universe it's made, right? Like, I could see this being an actual opponent for Bond. Well done. <laughs> He's not turning his jacket inside out to reveal a perfect military jacket, <laughs> and then going, he went that way and running away. <laughs> so the rest of the movie is like uh, Bond getting closer to Domino, um and also investigating Largo, and it goes on for about a thousand years. Uh, as there's a few action sequences underwater, but it's it's been a week since I've watched this movie, and I'm surprised at how it doesn't hold together in my head. Like, even Goldfinger, like, I have a pretty next to, like, I know in all these movies what happens. I've watched them, right? But in this, the sequence of beat to beat to beat doesn't flow as well. It's just kind of stuff like does the stuff um, uh, with uh, what's the face uh, with Volpe happen before or after the stuff with the sharks? I don't know. Um, yeah. There's just a lot of episodes. Well, it's like I mean, I I I just rewatched it last night, and yes, you know, I totally could have told you. I would totally would have gone on believing that the the bomb stealing sequence happens before the health club. Right. Because it makes sense in my head for it to to happen that way. Yes. But they just mix up a lot of the things happening in a way. So like he, so Bond goes to like investigate this boat, um, trying to find the bonds. And then he, uh, runs into, um, uh, runs into Volpe who, is uh like Largo's mistress and also obviously evil and having like a back and forth with Bond flirting like oh am I gonna is he gonna be onto me before I'm onto him type thing um and sh- and she eventually like kind of gets the better of Bond uh but then he just kind of runs away in a very awkward situation as she like takes him through a a big parade that's happening on the um uh, on the island and 
uh, runs through. Um, and then she just gets shot in the back. Someone's trying to assassinate Bond and he does the thing from Goldfinger where he turns around at the exact right moment and she just is dead. It was a kind of a very unceremonial death, like a, you know, um, a pretty, like, whoa, that woman just got shot and died in a way that you don't, these movies tend to dull that. Yeah, it was surprising too because they, you know, like, this is kind of coming, you know, fairly hot off the heels of her motorcycle sequence. Yes. She, she gets to have her Ava moment on <laughs> the masked rider on the hot Ducati motorcycle, you know, blowing up Lippy's car who's chasing Bond with, with like an RPG. Yes. And then she just like, you know, takes her helmet off and it's like, oh, it's Volpe under there. And then, and then, and boom, shot in the back. Yep, they're in like a club and having a dance scene together as like, oh, we've got to keep up our ruse. And she's trying to get him into position to assassinate him. And he's trying to get away. And the way he gets away, it's like, you know, turns her to the path of the bullet. And she gets shot and all of her henchmen are like, ah, fuck, we've got to run now. <laughs> what do we do? The boss is dead. We all have to leave. Um, but I definitely was taken aback at like uh, the gruesome's the wrong word because it's not like gory right but it definitely is like that person was alive and now they are not in a way that james bond just shooting a guy at mook and he just falls over isn't it's not treated the same way uh which is kind of callous and strange yeah it has it has a weird impact to it um especially kind of amidst the carnival sequence it's it's weird yep um and there's also like an ongoing thread uh with domino who is like ostensibly the Bond girl of this movie, but because um, Volpe is in the movie as well and is just much more of a presence, like as an actress, um, Domino ends up feeling kind of like sidelined in her own movie, even though it's her like decision to uh, betray the bad guy that ends up winning the day. Um, yeah, and it's funny because like you know, um, like. Years and years and years ago, um, I it was actually it was my first apartment in college. I found a subway poster, you know, the the big the big ones yes. of Christine Auger, and it was a kind of I guess it was a promo photo um, for this movie, and it's her in the kind of zebra striped bikini with a uh, one of the 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 diving rebreathers and a scuba mask on her top of her head, holding a spear gun. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was fabulous. And I was just like, yeah, we'll put that on my wall. Um, <laughs> and so then you finally get around to watching this movie. And I was like, she's really very flimsy in this. Yeah. Um, and like also, you know, dubbed over by the same person who has dubbed over the main girl in all Bond movies. And I think will continue to for a while. Yeah, shout out to Nikki Vanderzeel. Yep. So at the end of the movie, uh, like she's the one that shoots Largo. Um, because Largo's got Bond at gunpoint, and <laughs> she just so they're in the they they've had this very very long just just intolerably long underwater fight. We're kind of not discussing all the underwater fights here because we've already mentioned them. They're bad. They're boring. There's nothing to say about them. <laughs> Uh, and so that fight happens and they go to the ends up in the cockpit because turns out when you need to film like a dramatic conclusion you can't do it underwater with everyone in scuba gear <laughs> uh, so they're in the cockpit uh, Largo's got Bond at gunpoint and then just a harpoon hits him in the chest uh, and Domino has, has saved the day um, which it's funny because like comparing this with with Fiona Volpe's death. Uh -huh. This is just surprisingly like kind of weightless and non-impactful. Yes. And it's it's shooting someone with a fucking spear gun. <laughs> like it's it's comedic. It's it's comedic. It it also it this should be like the most visceral moment of the movie. We should like, you know, see this fucking spear just ripping through Largo. And we don't. It's just and then it's kind of Domino's there holding the spear gun, being like, I'm French and I'm not speaking my own lines. 
and yeah, and that's kind of it. And then like we blow up Yulago's party barge, and there's no shot him with a fucking spear gun, man. Shot him with a spear, and it's strange because like this is a plot point that has now happened three Bond movies in a row, where the main villain has been betrayed by uh, the girl because Bond is just that good, uh, and has won won the girl over. And they're always meant to be these triumphant moments. Um, the one in From Russia with Love, I remember going on with like, it felt, dis- it was one of the weaker parts of the movie because it just felt dishonest. She should have just shot Bond. <laughs> um, but the one in um, Thunderball was just gross. Uh, not Thunderball, in, uh, Goldfinger was just gross because it was uh, the Pussycat Law stuff that was like, yeah, just hinged on an awful rape scene. Uh, and here, it doesn't do that, but it. It doesn't, like, the movie doesn't actually give Domino the personality uh, and the backstory she needs. Like, she she delivers it, but I feel like even Dr. No's long monologue about, um, you know, oh, there, I was, uh, you know, all of um, the, the, you know, that Kojima monologue in Dr. No, right? All of her backstory right. was more intense and more, like, well-delivered than this stuff. Because, like, you should be, like, cheering at the end when she gets her revenge on this awful guy uh, who's kind of, like, k- kept her as his mistress and but also killed as her brother and done all these things that acknowledge it should be, like, this great moment. But they haven't really invested in her beyond being Bond's new conquest. Yeah, and it's... It's weird because, like... None of these movies really sell the 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 villain's mistress turn, you know. Yes, like, no. We we never we never sell that. Like they might get a kind of an interesting moment towards the end, but their actual turn never makes sense, you know. Um, information with love, it's like you really you you decided to just completely abandon the Soviet Union for James Bond's dick. Really, I, I'm telling you, it's not a good dick. <laughs> it's weak. I mean. Like, let's be real here. Sean Connery was what six years younger than me in that movie, and <laughs> look at him. And he looks like my grandfather. <laughs> um. So you know, um, but like the thing that I, I you know, it's funny because like we kind of we skipped over uh, Paula, yes, Bond CIA contact, um, who gets kidnapped, and then rather than reveal. Um, Bond's plan uh, commits suicide with a cyanide pill. Yes. And it's weird because we get we have the, the kind of three principal Bond girls in this. Volpe, Paula, and Domino. And Volpe's the one with the most presence. Yes. I feel like Paula's the one who actually has her shit together the most and like is the most kind of with it and capable uh I mean, absolutely especially with like there's an another new felix uh also working for the cia who does nothing yeah um she's just abso- kind of shows up at the staircase and says paul is gone and it's just like okay okay <laughs> thanks felix uh but she's interesting because like she doesn't really have any reason to like it's played as her making sure that she will she will go to her grave to save bond's plan to save his life um but she doesn't really have any reason to like maybe you could play it off as like oh this is just committed to the mission but it definitely there's definitely no like real smart between those two either uh bond's just kind of throughout these four movies he's like his every uh, scene with any of these women is like ridden so obviously like all the writers and all the audience know that he's going to have sex with all of them or if or if you know or they will die first but will at least win them over to his side like that's an inevitability in any scene with a woman so it strips them all of like their actual tension um and chemistry because it's just bond is like acting kind of like a tawny parody like yeah. you say you don't need austin powers he's already that <laughs> yeah and it's you know, I, it was, I guess it was weird. like the Paula thing really stuck out to me because I'm just like, the CIA does not have that much allegiance to MI6. Are you fucking kidding me? Right, exactly. And it's like, like they're meant to be for this NATO mission, but come on. Yeah, and it's like, okay, committed to the mission. Mm, 
this isn't, you know, um, the boss. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It it really it rubbed me the wrong way. It was more kind of the kind of those things. I was just like, so the the one with the one with presents bumped off in a weird way. In a really weirdly mean way. Yes. The kind of capable, you know, equivalent to Bond bumped off in uh, an unceremonious and kind of idiotic way. Yep. And then Domino and then... is basically the villain's bimbo. Let's be real here. And she's the one who gets, you know, carried away by the CIA balloon pickup plane. <laughs> they have that ridiculous balloon plane with the sky hook. <sighs> I think I might have talked myself out of the parts I liked of this movie, Jackson. I know, because <laughs> I I didn't I didn't dislike the movie. I mostly enjoyed watching it when it wasn't underwater. Um, because I think that the like craft of the direction is there, but I do think that by this point, like in the writing and in uh, Connery's performance, and like the dynamics with all these different women, um, he's just barely a person. He's just kind of making gestures at them, and then they like act seduced and then die. <laughs> um, and it it's just very unsatisfying because, like. From Russia with Love, right, Bond was like oh, super attractive and this woman fell under his spell and betrayed the Soviet Union for him, but he was still doing spy stuff. He still, you know, hung out with Ali Karim Bay and wasn't talking about getting laid. Um, there was actual uh, spy stuff going on beyond the action scenes. Um, this is more just the spying is there's a couple of scenes with him and uh, Largo that are them like at like social occasions uh, both knowing who the other one is uh, kind of um, trading barbs and there's also like him going to his boat to survey him but then he has to run away and then it's him going to his house to survey him but then he has to go away there's lots of like sneaking up and then running away from a bunch of guards yeah and sharks it just it feels so all over the place just like, I guess it's it's interesting because it's like, there's only kind of a few like kind of, you know, as far as like what like plot devices that happen at this movie. There's only really a few kind of things that happen. It's like okay, we have the underwater fight scene, we have the you know sneaking around scene, and then like we just kind of repeat those parts, and like we we just kind of move them around a whole bunch. There's so many different Bond sneaks around to see a thing and then has to run away scenes. It's like this movie is playing three card Monty with its own like plot <laughs> yes. devices. Yes, absolutely. But I just realized, um, what if James Bond gets Fulton instead of being Fultoned away by the CIA, he gets Fultoned away by Big Boss? Um, well, that would be great. <laughs> Do you imagine just building yourself five, or you just recruit Bond? <laughs> You throw him in the brig. And he's just like, uh, he won't talk for a while. He's like, well, I guess I'll have to go do a couple missions in Central Africa until he wises up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very funny because, um, you know, we bring up the Kojima stuff a lot here because uh, he's ripping off Bond in a big way, but they couldn't be totally and like more different as characters or as like worlds. Yeah. But you know, like between Goldeneye or between Goldfinger and Thunderball, I'm almost kind of like, you know what? I think, I think Metal Gear might be slightly better than these. Uh, yeah, I, like I can't get to the the problem is that from Russia with Love is like fantastic. It is, yeah. Um, and I we're about to get some more interesting movies. I remember enjoying the parts of from uh, of uh, you only live twice that aren't super racist, which is very few parts. But um, I I also enjoyed the racist parts, so probably gonna have to see see how that holds up. I remember being really bad in a very like oh. Phew. 
but I'm told that on Her Majesty's Secret Service is very good. I've not seen it, but I expect to enjoy it quite a bit. But then we've got to go through the more bonds. Yeah. Um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, these has the dope theme. It does at that. But yeah, it's a bit of a strange... I'm a strange movie. It's kind of unenthused podcast. If if we if we sound scattered and directionless, the movie also is. It so. really is. Uh, it's it was like even like because I was like when I I first watched it and get pretty and I was like okay and then revisiting it for this because I was like I feel like I didn't I can't like you said like I can't hold it in my head together and I you know I just watched it just. 12 hours ago i can't hold it in my head yep it's it's strange and i'm again hope better hoping for better things in the future uh which i'm sure we'll get uh but i guess that's our discussion on thunderball unless you have any any final thoughts any beats we didn't hit nah uh, you know largo has a party barge um <laughs> he does like i i I like that. I do like the weird commitment to spa life that the Bond movies have had thus far. It it's very funny and like they're they're trying to sell Bond as this like just untouchable masculine ideal. But what he does in this movie is have one jetpack flight and then have to go hang out in a spa for two weeks. And like I don't, you know, um, I I. I don't know what the the I I need to, this is like something I need to actually go and look up and like what it was with like men and like health spas and like kind of luxury retreats where they were pampered um in like the 60s and 70s because it's very weird to me to think of like masculine ideal like being like I've got to go get a rub down and then <laughs> right then take a steam <laughs> Um, but it because, definitely like, in this movie presents that as part of the fantasy, doesn't it? Because it's like, oh, look at this man of luxury. This is the life. And it's it's also it's like he's a government. He's a he's, he's a civil servant. Yes. You know, like it, it, you look at like you know, you don't think of like what's this? Uh, oh God, I can't remember his name from Rainbow Six and the Tom Clancy novels. Um, <laughs> the, I don't John Rainbow Six. I don't I John Rainbow don't, Six. Yeah, the, 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 he's the head of Rainbow Six. I can't remember what his name is. Um, Rob Zachney would be furious with me. Um, <laughs> but uh, Ding Chavez. Ding Chavez. Okay, Ding Chavez is the secret low key head of Rainbow Six. Um, but like, okay, yeah. Well, Ding Chavez doesn't go and get rub downs after you know blowing up a narco den. Right, putting away it, some eco terrorists, like, like, but James Bond does, you know, he goes to NASA and hangs out at casinos, and like, it's just this weird playboy who also wrecks shit. It's very strange, absolutely. Uh-huh. But then you also have the villains, and like, Doctor No had the weird like med spa hotel in yep. his underground lair. Um, Goldfinger hangs out at Miami resorts. Though <laughs> so it cracks me up because like Goldfinger totally is the dude who like he is like the weird German who hangs out at like the all-inclusive resorts that are like <laughs> the really tacky ones. It's very it, I. What it actually comes off as is that Ian Fleming is a specific kind of upper-class British guy who goes to spas and stays at hotels, like, classy hotels, but not, like, actually classy. Like, his idea of what classy is, but that's the only character he can write. That's the dream of everyone. It's the yeah. dream of the of Bond. It's the dream of the villains. And what better life could you imagine? <laughs> than being number two with an eye patch in <laughs> your your kind of gross old man robes on your luxury yacht yeah it's not really a great yacht but it's pretty good it's pretty good but um that the podcast that's it we did it we made another podcast we did it we will be back next time with uh casino royale (laughs) the 1967 movie (laughs) 
um, because that came out before uh, You Only Live Twice. So we'll be coming back for double racism James Bond later. Uh, we've got to watch Casino Royale first. I've never seen that. This is like a parody movie, I think. I'm very interested. Yeah, it's it's weird to me that we're going to be watching it, but I guess we have to. It's a James Bond movie that was theatrically released. Um, yeah. So we have to. Uh, Starring Woody Allen. Oh, good. Oh, we have to do deal with that, I suppose. We do. But we also get to deal with Orson Welles as Le Chief. Oh, and at least I know that he hates Woody Allen. <laughs> and always did. <laughs> so that's good to know. Smart man. Smart man. Always <laughs> trust Orson Welles, that's the truth. <laughs> um, Dia, where can we find you on the internet? I'm you can give find your plugs. Me at Dia Lacina, D I A L A C I N A, on Twitter. That's really it. Find you me find there. Me- you can find me at Head Falls Off. You can find other podcasts at abnormalmapping.com. There's a whole bunch of them. And you can subscribe to patreon.com slash abnormalmapping uh, and get Gundam for $1 a month. That's a whole bunch of tears. It's cool and good. Uh, but that's it. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time. Uh, hopefully next week, I think. But uh, we'll work out our schedule ourselves, um, And we'll see you when there's the next podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>